0: Hey, this is Mike with Howl for Wildlife. If you found yourself listening to this short recording, you probably are a guide or outfitter in North America, or perhaps you are a non-resident hunter looking to pursue big game in Colorado someday. Be ready. There's a call to action in this conversation, as well as a description of the various threats and opportunities we have in front of us here in 2024 Big game hunting, mountain lion hunting, bobcat hunting and trapping are all on the line in Colorado this year and it will take a nationwide effort to lift ourselves above this threat and to win. This ban on mountain lion hunting and bobcat hunting hits the ballot box in November. There's a call to action. Please listen through, identify with the issue and the threat, share this with friends and colleagues and neighbors and let's rally by supporting CRWM. Hey folks, this is Mike with Howl for Wildlife, and I've got Dan Gates from CRWM and Jenny from Colorado Outfitters Association. Um, and this this is a, gonna be a short call, but we really wanna distill out what's going on with in Colorado with the initiative that threatens to outlaw mountain lion hunting and bobcat hunting in Colorado. And specifically with the guests today, um, with Jenny and the Colorado Outfitters Association, it strikes me as if this initiative is successful. There's going to be a huge direct impact to the guide and outfitter community, and mm-hmm. and their largely non-resident um, base of of customers. You know the folks mm-hmm. that that utilize guides and outfitters in Colorado for lion hunting, but also secondarily and very importantly for uh, mule deer, and and even elk hunting. So, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Dan, um, can you give us a quick kind of summary of what's going on in Colorado? I think most people know, but not everybody knows. And I think what also is important is what you need. To be successful I, I believe we can be successful but what do you need to be successful to to uh, overcome this threat
1: thanks mike appreciate it the initiative that we're dealing with is a uh, an attempt to prohibit the harvest of mountain lions and bobcats and lynx um which is are federally protected in the lower 48 so so that's just that that's a that's a misnomer for anybody that reads that if they look at the language Uh, but we're in the middle of a a, uh, signature gathering process that the proponents are are doing at at this point, uh, trying to gather the signatures to be able to get it on the ballot. We've already previously fought all measures that we could possibly have from the first part of October up until January 31st um, to go through the Secretary of State and legislative councils and the Supreme Court. And what we're dealing with right now is the legal process and the steps that that um, Proponents of different measures have to go through um, and cross the T's and dot their I's to make sure that they adhere to all the statutory regulations and components of being able to, to put a ballot initiative together to where the voters of the state of Colorado uh, can actually get it on for this November, on November 5th. And what I'd like to say is that, you know, there's 20, 26 other states that have these type of issues that are available to the general public entities, private agencies, um, organizations, that they can go through these steps as well. And while all states might differ a little bit, anybody who's listening to these discussions, whether it's between us or me on a different podcast or just different messages out there, they need to pay specific attention to what happens in Colorado and how that translates in on how it could be interpreted into their state. Mm-hmm. The statutory language and definition of what they're trying to in to, to instill uh, has to do with intentionally killing, wounding, stalking, trapping or pursuing a mountain lion or a bobcat. And even though it says lynx, we're not going to get into the lynx, but I want to mm-hmm. make sure that people understand. That could be translated into statutory language, not only federally, uh, but, but across state lines, you know, in other states as well. So, So what happens here could set a precedent and be played out at so many other levels. Not to mention the fact that it doesn't have to be about mountain lines and bobcats. It could be about a variety of other species, depending on who wants to erase one little word and put some other word in there. So yeah. they're in the signature gathering process. We're done with the legal challenges on the fore- forefront of this. Um, but now we're in the fundraising and strategy side of it. And that's part of this call here with, with Jenny, with the Outfitters Association and, and what we're trying to compile and get everybody on the same page, everybody on the on the on the in the same playbook, to where you're running a well oiled machine to stop this in Colorado and hopefully prevent it from other parts of the country, whether it's bobcats or mountain lions or turkey or deer or elk or bighorn sheep or whatever. And yeah. um, well, I'm glad to have this conversation because I think it's important from an economic standpoint, from a management standpoint, from a livelihood standpoint. Uh, a logistical standpoint a north american model standpoint and i'm looking forward to hearing what jenny has to say but all putting our heads together to figure out a way to get collective participation and engagement from a variety of different communities but in this conversation specifically the outfitters and guides from around the country
0: yeah thank you for that i um you know i'm in california i've got i've got non resident points in colorado yeah, you know, there's there's literally hundreds of thousands of people out of state that have points in Colorado and plan on hunting someday. Have hunted, will hunt, do hunt in Colorado. And so I when I when I saw this come on to the radar, um it was apparent to me immediately that this is this is a national issue. And yeah, it can spread elsewhere, but but in Colorado today, this is a national issue. And it just strikes me as, um, you know, the, the folks that invest the time and the money to hunt with a guide or outfitter are looking for, an, 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 you know, the, the, the best experience possible in hunting. It, it's what Colorado is known for um, in terms of mule deer and elk hunting. And... So it seems to me that, that the community, and so we'll talk about the community of guides and outfitters, Jenny, you shared some numbers with me, nearly mm-hmm. a thousand guides and outfitters in Colorado, well over a hundred are members of your association. The client base that those guides and outfitters have worked with in the last five to 10 years could be 50,000 mm-hmm. to a hundred thousand people. Most of them, like 90, what, 90, 95% of them are non-residents. Yes. So for those people, this is not a oh, look, sorry, Colorado, this is a that's where I like to hunt. That's where I love to hunt. This is my this is my place. Um, Like, how do you how do you see this in terms of like your community? You know, the, the negative impacts kind of socially, economically, like what could happen? What could transpire if this is successful with your community there?
2: Um, well, the first tip of the spear is the Houndsman and Lion Outfitters. They're, mm-hmm. they're the first ones that if this stops, instantly that stops. The secondary effects will go through the other game species um, with varying levels of effect, but mm-hmm. primarily negative because we're going after the same game that mm-hmm. we will not have available because they'll have to be available to feed a stronger lion population that's just real um and the economic effects they're going to be pretty fast i mean there's there are outfits that we have 28 specialized lion outfitters in the state that are members of our association um okay. and there are you know 50 that are houndsmen associated and, and otherwise but they're that's their bread and butter that's mm-hmm. what they do. that's what they specialize in. It's what they train for all year
0: and, yeah.
2: and um you know, when they're getting 65 sixty five hundred to seven thousand dollars per hunt and that dollar gets moved around to their community and their county mm-hmm. you're looking at economic multipliers eight to twelve times and yeah. it's it's a substantial amount that has an instantaneous, effect on a household and in a business and then secondarily to a community and then i mean that's not even adding into the the effects of agency revenues mm-hmm. for the game species that can't be hunted because they have to be left and available to a predator population
0: right yeah we were we were talking earlier um It's about 2,500 tags in, in 2023 with roughly 500 mountain lions harvested and 96% of those 500 that were harvested were, were successful hunts supported by, by houndsmen. Mm -hmm. Um, so the hounding community, the hound community and the outfitter community were, were, were directly involved with almost every harvest. Um, and you mentioned Mm -hmm. that 74% of the non-residents that come in and hunt and pay almost $400 a tag, Yes. Um, are 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 going guided. And so mm-hmm. the economic impact, like you said, the multipliers through those communities is huge. Um, I, I'm not a biologist, but I'll play one for a minute. Um, just back of the napkin math, you know, 500 mountain lion a year, five years out, that's 2,500 mountain lions that aren't taken off the landscape, aren't, aren't mm-hmm. part of the management program. Mm-hmm. And assuming some offspring from those 2,500 you know, we're talking maybe 3,000 net new mountain lions on the landscape five years Mm -hmm. from now, and they've got it and they're going to eat say 30 to 40 deer a year.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, that's over a hundred thousand deer that are dying in Colorado five years from now that aren't dying today. So it seems like the, you know, you, you have to, it's a, it's a very clear picture that, Tag sales are gonna go down, hunter success is gonna go down, guided out guided outfitter use is gonna go down. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the ripple effects, like you said, eight to ten times through, starting with the agency, CPW, and what they have Mm -hmm. for doing for what they do, all the way through your community to fewer people from California flying out to go hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's pretty acute. All the way
2: all the way to municipalities that are now having prob already are having problems with conflict. Right. Because of frankly, starting because of cat- town deer that yeah. the cats come in and hunt. I mean, it's, yeah. they're just living, but those realities are there and there will be no funding for that program.
0: Yeah. Just no self funding ante- for the program. Yeah. 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 It's self funded. It's, 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 eco- it's economically and ecologically sustainable as it is today. Correct. But this initiative proposes to take away all those mechanisms and replace it with nothing, which is, which is completely crazy. Side note in California, where mountain lion hunting has been taken away for a few decades now, um, mountain lions have no fear of humans in California. They don't Mm -hmm. like to be, they don't like to be around humans, but they have no problem being in human communities. Um, because there's no, there's just no threat. And so while we don't, you know, the mountain lions, they don't, they don't attack humans on, you know, it's not, that's not really a big issue, but they have no problem coming into the community and taking dogs and cats and, you know, domestic animals out of backyards and things like that. It's, it's wild. So the economic impact, the social impact, the community impact, your community, the guides and outfitters uh, specifically are really going to take it on the chin with this and the non-resident hunters are probably going to, you know, that's going to wither away a little bit, wither on the vine and that mm-hmm. number of people is going to, going to go down.
1: So that point, Mike uh, and Jenny can concur or disagree, but I don't think they'll disagree, but um, there's about 58 to 60% of the total gross revenue that the wildlife cast side of Colorado parks and wildlife generates from non-resident hunters. And, yeah. and that's non-resident elk hunters. And yeah. so, when you start, you talk about the economic side of it, you start depleting not only supply on one side, you don't just hit the mountain lion management side of it. You don't hit the deer management side of it. You hit a tremendous amount of the entire wildlife cast side of the agency just because of the amount of non-resident hunters that come on the elk side. Now, if you take today's numbers and extrapolate that down, like what you're talking about, five or 10 years down the road, Mm-hmm. now the entire agency
0: mm-hmm.
1: take a big hit and what we've heard from the opposition of these measures is that well you know the mountain lion the mountain lion licenses don't really pay for the mountain lion predator management program anyway well no they really don't but the non-resident elk hunter does and so if yeah. you start taking less and less elk hunters and less and less license revenue and less and less elk on the ground it affects the mountain lion management population sure. objective and the, and the economic side it affects all of it yeah. so it, it's it's not just one species no game agency to the best of my knowledge unless it happens to be sage grouse or endangered or threatened species like our wolf plan here yeah uh, when you'd get money it goes into wildlife cash and it's managed for for all all wildlife um, yeah. and so people just need to understand that just because you take one piece of the pie out doesn't mean that you're going to still have a plate or a pan or an oven to cook the pot in.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: Well, and I'd like to add another economic layer to that is that our agency in Colorado is an enterprise agency. And part of that structure allows, one, some political autonomy, mm -hmm. as it should be. But if they need to access more than 10% from the general fund to continue, they lose that enterprise status. And when we lose the enterprise status, politics comes in at an even faster rate than it already is involved. And that's a really dangerous place as politics ebb and flow for the 961 species that are managed in the state of Colorado to weather when one size says one thing and two to four years later it says another. Um, Not to mention the fight over the the dollar. It's an expensive endeavor that hunting pays for.
0: Yeah. So CPW 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 either gets smaller with fewer biologists, fewer wardens, fewer people crunching the data, or they stay the same size and they have to dip into the general fund and becomes much more of a political political argument about how things get done and divided up and and all that and we know that's messy and and not (laughs) that's dysfunctional as it is um i think it's fair to say that the guide and outfitter community and their client base the non-resident hunters that come out to colorado to hunt with them are disproportionately affected um by everything by everything here
2: we are the we're the canary in the coal mine
0: Absolutely. <laughs> both, both for, both for lion hunt and for um, ungulate numbers. Lion, ungulate down.
2: management, wolf management, yep. all of it. license allocations, you name it. We're the, we're the, canary in the coal mine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my, my thought, the, the, the message that I'm putting out on Howl for Wildlife, whenever I have a platform to talk about it is, is non-resident hunters like myself, they're just collecting points. My, my proper donation to crwm save the hunt is the cost of a box of ammo i need to give dan a box of ammo (laughs) to to to, and if we all give dan a box of ammo um then he's got the the war chest filled up to to win this dan you're you're muted (laughs) in case you're talking
1: make make sure that people understand it's it's the replacement. It's, it's, cost the, a box of ammo. it's like, the financial
0: don't want- value. Don't, don't send him <laughs> your three hundred Win Mag. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I, don't, I don't need
1: a. Semi- he's a trapper. Well, a but yeah,
0: he's, but, a trapper. But he's a trapper. He's
1: a trapper. there's a there's a clear explanation to this because I, yeah. I don't want my wife to go. why do we keep getting all these UPS boxes of ammo? <laughs>
0: There, whether you're a waterfowler and your your waterfowl, you know your shotgun shells are thirty two bucks a, a box, or you're you're hunting with a with a, with a cannon and it's you know you're spending a hundred bucks a a box for your ammo. To me, that's the that's the equivalent. Um, so yeah. for, for me, the call to action, and that's to everybody, uh, for me, the, the call to action to the guide and outfitter community is, is to make the uncomfortable ask, um, but make the ask to your client base, to make, you know, talk to your client base, make sure that the folks that have hunted with you have hunts on the books for a year or two from now, you know, make sure your client base knows what's going on and what this really means and that we can win this is not going to go down the drain the way, you know, this is not going to go the way that the, the wolf vote went the wolf yeah. vote. If, if we were, if you're voting against the wolf introduction, you only lost by 1%. Like the vote was literally 1% off is 49 to 51. So that was very close. And Dan, you can talk to the momentum that you've got already in terms of fundraising, in terms of community grassroots, NGOs, you know, industry stepping up. So I think there's momentum here. And I think there's a strategy that says we can win if we all get you that equivalent box of ammo.
1: No, you're exactly right. And, and I, I want to emphasize that the grassroots side of what we've been able to accomplish over the course of the last four months since these initiatives were first um, dropped, uh, and, and and how we had to enact, engage, motivate, and, and uh, you know, build, build our plan of action. And we already had a war chest that was created for such things on the, on the front side of it. But we didn't have a war chest prepared. I don't think anybody has a war chest prepared for the long 14 or 15-month battle that you would have to engage in in this process. Right. Especially with the unlimited resources that the opposition normally has, with the Humane Society of the United States, and while there's guardians and you know all the all the names that we probably you know dream about in our sleep and try to figure out how we can circumvent. Uh, yeah. But you know the from from an alligator trapper and hunter in Florida to to industry leaders from uh, the the Kuyus and the Kufarus and. And then you get into the you know the the Hornedays and the Noslers and the Quiet Cats and the Yetis mm-hmm. and uh, Stone Glacier and uh, Montana Knife uh, big industry guys that are really building up a track record not only for us but to help get other industry partners on board as well. And then you get into the NGO side of things, uh, the Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation, the Safari Club International, Muley Fanatics. Uh, you know, groups like Jenny's with the Colorado Outfitters Association. This is not a one-off where we're saying, hey, we're just kind of trying to get our stuff together and and see what we can come up with. Yeah. This is something that was created in such a monumental, admirable fashion over the course of the last, you know, 14 or 15 weeks already that I could just tell you that I didn't think that we'd be this far along in the process.
2: I think that one of the things that I'm going to say industry-wide, and hopefully, definitely statewide, hopefully nationally and internationally, which this fight is drawing attention, um, is we learned so much from the Wolf. And uh, all hats off to my good friend Dan Gates, because he's kicking ass and taking names. And he took point, and he did it well, and well thought out, And we need to help fund that because that process and the process that we learned during the wolf fight and the wolf loss was phenomenal. And those tools are in place and functioning and starting to take off, but they take an incredible amount of funding that I think kind of normally we're not necessarily used to doing. Um, You know, you it, 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 as an individual hunter, we're used to putting into our different associations, buying a couple new pieces of gear a, a year, this, that, and the other. Um, but collectively, we're not used to putting all the pennies in the same pot. And as outfitters, certainly, we need to put those pennies in the pot because we can't do it on our own. Right. It's just a reality. We do not have the resources, but we do have teammates and um some leadership that we can give sweat equity and funding and um our networking and marketing resources bring it to the game,
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's important to call out, like what you just said and what Dan was talking about, ArmyF and SCI have stepped up with with with, you know, bringing their network to the table and financially you know, Muley Fanatics is doing that, I think it's important, you know, the folks that are, you know, the, the client base, the non-resident hunters that are the client base of the outfitters and guides mm-hmm. are probably members of a number of different conservation orgs. Yeah. Which is good and it's right that they that they be members of those conservation orgs that maybe they're more species specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but those conservation orgs have very defined charters, very defined yes. lanes that they operate in and legal structure tax structure that prevents them from really diving in and leading or even you know really leveraging what they've got resource wise for this fight so that's why it's important that that when people whether they're in state or out of state say i'm going to commit x dollars to win this that that money goes to crwm Coloradans for responsible wildlife management which yep. Dan represents. And that's the website, SaveTheHuntColorado.com. So all the whole community is stepping up, but the whole community, at some point we need to have a quarterback and we need to have a general, you know, we need to have, we need to have yep. everybody lined up behind the same, like, like, you know, say, you know, Dan and CRWM are the tip of the spear. We need to lean into pushing behind that, tip of the spear so that we can drive this thing forward. And that's why the the request is to make donations to SaveTheHuntColorado.com and CRWM.
2: Yep. Well, and I mean, I, I look at it and I go, we ultimately as individuals and as hunters, as outfitters, as commercial operators, federal permittees, whatever, whenever we all put on our own individual hats it is it, 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 the old saying united we stand divided yep. we fall
0: huge power. and
2: it's time to unite and it's time to stand on the same side and put aside those little individual interests yep and work better for the collective it, it yeah it's the own it is the way that we will win and it is the way that other states and internationally will learn how to fight these things while we're fighting it here on multiple fronts the lion hunting band being a huge part of that. Colorado is just right for all of this right now and the enemy's learning daily. So the better that we fight, the more that our peers will learn from us and we can help when they help us, we can turn around and help them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful. um, I'm hopeful that the community that this, this outreach goes to, sees the sees the threat, also sees the opportunity to win. Dan, you've shared we've had well an elk hunt that Wild Sheep brought into their auction was bought for fifty thousand dollars. There's a fifty thousand dollar donation. I know, based on what you've talked about, there's been some six figure donations. There's been five figure donations. There's a lot of hundreds and and you know multiple hundreds coming in. So I'm hopeful that there there are some folks in the audience that 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 get this kind of plea for help that can really step up and kind of put their name on this as as one of the <laughs> one of the people that championed it and really drove it home. But again, going back to just large number theory. If we all throw in a hundred bucks, we can ice this thing and win it. Um, and so I, I think that's the key and that's the call to action for, for everybody in the the guiding outfitter and non-resident hunting community.
1: Yeah. One, one thing that, that people need to recognize is not only the importance and sense of urgency, but look how much money we spend as a society on fees and and on different applications and and you know programs and apps and all the stuff that we that we supposedly need and I would I would urge everybody to look hard at what they do for hunting and for conservation and for sustainability and perpetuity of the North American model of wildlife conservation and and help us stop the devil at the door here because then it's a lot easier for us to then turn around and help stop other states or other issues when it moves into yep. the next level in 2025 and 2026 or, or whatever. The reason, the reason that the animal rights extremist community has been so successful historically is because they prepare to take things away wholeheartedly, straight across the board on every single level throughout the country. It's yep. just that they're very strategic in where they go and what they do. The reason, when we formulated CRWM back in 2017 is a 501c4, and I want I want to preface this with with the statement of we are the only organization in the state of Colorado that has full time lobbying representation on the state capitol yep. for sportsmen and women and conservation issues. We're the yep. only one. We we have partners that help support that, but as you mentioned, most of those are 501c3s, maybe sixes or sevens. They can't do what a c4 can. And when we formulated the C4, it, it allowed us to do many more broad things. And it's not just advocacy. It's also education as well. Mm-hmm. And then it stepped into a, a level of, of defeating and defending, you know, what you stand for and then stopping the opposition for around and coming back at you. Other states have that ability. What we want them to do is see just how important what we established six years ago is and how other states can do that and other entities can do that. And they can all come together with that lock arm unified status to where they're not waiting to pass the plate around when the devil comes, you know, breathing fire at your door.
0: We're all willing to help
1: at every single level. It's obvious by this, but it's reaction. It's not proaction. And I, I think that, you know, I've said this in many podcasts over the course of the last several months, proaction, proactiveness of what we do on the landscape is going to be our best method of defense, in the future and i'm not talking about colorado i'm talking about every state that has these issues that they're going to have to deal with
0: no absolutely um, they the the anti, i call it the anti hunting industry you know they, they they fundraise nationally they they act locally and they they drive a lot of resources wherever they think there's a weak spot um, the more they start to realize that what they thought was going to cost them 2 million cost them 10 the more it cost they thought it would cost them 10 is going to cost them 50 they are, they are an industry, like they pursue this as an industry. And the more they realize that, Oh, there's a hard wall. I can't go there. There's a hard wall over here. Oh, wait, like the hunting community, the wildlife management, conservation community, the outdoors angling community has stepped up and coalesced together and now has a united front. The fight is a national fight. Um, because I think we're, we're all Colorado hunters at some point, um and or this fight is coming to our state at some point so we we need to we need to stop it here and i really appreciate both of you what you're doing and jenny what you do as a leader with with the outfitters association and the willingness to to make sure that they get the they get the understanding of what's happening and and hopefully they can really rally their um rally their base because i think that non-resident hunter is the solution to making this thing a success on our side
2: I, I i i couldn't agree more and i think that really what what's happening here and what we're working on and witnessing mm-hmm. is a blueprint that will be used successfully nationwide and and internationally
1: and and mike let me throw this in too that that there's so many outfitters that are cross-state mm-hmm. you know outfitters yes. in colorado that do Utah and Arizona and New Mexico. And there's oh, yeah. outfitters in Kansas that do Colorado and outfitters in Wyoming that do Colorado. I mean, there's a lot of crossover. And not only do they see the value, their clients sees the value if they really like that outfitter, because you turn around and take a significant amount of the economic side out of it, just because that guy, just because you don't hunt with that guy in Colorado, a significant amount of his business might be in Colorado. Right. And, and so People need to understand that what you're doing to help that outfitter help his first line of defense, which at this yep. point is us, and what and the coalition that we're building. And so even if a guy says, well, yeah, I know Joe, he guides in Colorado, but I don't hunt in Colorado. I, I hunt in his Nebraska ranch. I hunt in the Kansas ranch yeah, but he's gonna charge you more inevitably if he's gonna stay in
0: business if he can't hunt Colorado anymore. Well, if he's gonna and stay so, in business. That and that's the that's exactly. the crux of it. If he's gonna stay in business, if they're gonna be able to continue continue operating the way they do. Um All right, so resources. Uh, CRWM, Colorado's for Responsible Wildlife Management, is on Instagram, CRWM. Um if you want to stay up with updates, howforwildlife.org is doing a lot of updates on Instagram as well related to this. Cause we've, you know, we've, we've kind of committed our resources to you for the year um, to make this a win, because we believe it's the right thing to win. It's the, where we need to win as a community. So how, how is on Instagram as well. You could follow us there. Um, Save the hunt, is the website to go to. There's resources yep. to become updated on what the issues are. There's great videos and resources about the, the the North American model of conservation are there. But most importantly there's a donate now button and people can also write you a check and send it in the mail.
1: Yep. Yep. Great. And uh, there's and there's there's the uh for for some of the old guys like like I am one of the old guys, I didn't even know what the hell Instagram was about six weeks ago. I was, you know, minimally minimally engaged on Facebook. There's the Facebook page as well. Um, and, and if you look at most of what I've seen across, across the social media spectrum o- across the, the last uh, six or eight weeks, this is, it, people need to look at this because this is, it's a movement. It's yeah. actually, it's actually being picked up nationwide and it is a movement. And we get people every single day that are reaching out going, what do I, what do I need to do to participate? How can I help? I got a friend in Wyoming. I'm in Mississippi. I'm, I'm going to Texas and I know my buddy down there. This is something where everybody's planting the flag and saying we want to help defeat the antis and that we want to help build an alliance coalition to prepare for the antis on the next level of defense that we have to take.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're all we're all in this together. Uh, We all win on this and we win it together. So Jenny, thank you for what you're doing. Um, Dan, thank you so much for, for taking the lead on this and, and giving it everything you've got. I know you've, you wear a lot of hats and, and this is this is the, a, a big hat this year. So thanks for taking the leadership role and, and bringing us together on everything here. Well, there you have it. Threat, opportunity and action item for all of us. Thank you, Dan Gates of CRWM and Jenny Burby from the Colorado Outfitters Association. Folks, if you're an outfitter or a guide anywhere in North America, this is your battle. Non-resident hunters, clients of guides and outfitters, this is your battle. We need to rally as a community to support the fight to defeat this initiative, which threatens to outlaw mountain lion hunting and bobcat hunting in Colorado. Not only does it remove the opportunity to hunt these critters, which are sustainable and thriving in Colorado. It threatens the overall management of big game, as we know that the ungulate populations will be damaged significantly. And it removes significant and purposeful conservation systems, and it replaces them with nothing. We need to rally to support CRWM and deliver a defeat to the anti-hunting industry in November. Follow CRWM on Instagram at CRWM. Go to SaveTheHuntColorado.com to learn more and to make your donation. This is Mike at Hell for Wildlife. Thank you for your support and for your commitment to spreading the word about what we need to do as a community to win this year in 2024.